Welcome to Healing for Healers with Abby Wynn and Regina of the Land. And now a prayer. Father Sky, Grandmother Moon, please bless this healing space. I call on the four directions, the north, south, east and west, to hold us in the energy of love, compassion, beauty, healing, lightness and joy. I invite in the wisdom of the ancestors, angels, ascended masters and star beings to enrich our conversation, inspire us and use us as channels for light, love and healing. I call on Mother Earth, the star systems and all the planets to open the pathways so we may present to you the best, richest information. Have access to the highest vibration of healing energies and offer what is most needed for those who need it right now. And so it is. And so it is. In this episode today, I want to introduce you to Regina Chowza, who is a energy healer who set up her practice in and around the same time as I did, published her first book in and around the same time as I did, and is still working in her healing practice. And one of the things I think is amazing for both of us is that of all of the modalities that we've learned, all the experiences that we have, both of us still keep returning to Reiki. Reiki grows as we grow, the energy changes as we change, but the power of it, the beauty of it is still a miracle. It's one of those mysteries. I've always believed that Reiki is the master of us. We never become the master of Reiki. Anyway, I want to introduce you to Regina. She's based in Mexico and she has been working as a healer combining energy healing, astrology, tarot and angel cards readings with crystals. So we're talking about how healing has changed over time and how some things have stayed the same. I had great fun talking to Regina and I hope you enjoy our conversation. You know, it's, I don't know, like it's only recently dawned on me like how long I've been doing this. So how long has it been? Um, I started as a student, like unofficially taking a few classes in 2009. And I think all the way through 2013, I was like very intensely in like student mode um, at the College of Psychic Studies in London and the School of Intuition, which is also just like recently closed. Um, and then working as a healer since 2014. So it's been a little while. Yeah. But what, are your, what do you offer? just so that we can get to know you a little bit. I kind of feel like I really like astrology and I have Gemini rising, if that says anything, which means like I like to look at a lot of different things. Um, my main thing is energy healing and Reiki. And that's like, I think what I spent the most time like developing with really solid foundations. Um, I also really like to connect with like angels, with spirit guides, um, lately more with like goddess energy and teaching other people how to connect with their intuition. So I think those two are like what I've spent the most time developing. Um, but I'm just like very curious and I'm always like looking at new things. And so like over the years I've gone incorporating astrology, tarot, Kabbalah, and like a little bit of um, psychology into sessions as well. Okay. And 
I kind of like let myself go with what I'm interested in. So maybe I'll have like a theme that really catches my attention for like three years. So that was like astrology for a little while and just go really deep with astrology and kind of figure out how to integrate it into my own like daily practice. And then I'll move on to something else. So you would study astrology primarily for yourself. Mm-hmm. Did you find it useful for clients then? I find it super helpful. I found it helpful for myself and for clients and pretty much like I think I probably spent like 10 years looking at my chart from like different aspects um, and I don't know if you've seen an astrology chart or for people that are listening it's like a wheel and then it shows where the planets were when you were born so the ones that are like above the horizon or what was in the sky at the moment of birth what's below the horizon in the bottom half of the pie is what like what wasn't visible in the sky um, and like everyone has heard of like zodiac signs and like Venus is love and Mercury is thought and communication. Um, but for healing, what I found like super fascinating is if you draw lines between the planets and you look at like the angles that they form, those are like unconscious psychological um, motivations or needs or fears. And for me, combining like Reiki and journaling with those crisscrossing lines in my chart has like really helped me get to the bottom of things that maybe have been bothering me since childhood. Like seeking approval, um, finding like, I don't know, certain types of relationships were like just out of bounds or like specific clashes that I would have repetitively with certain types of people. Like I could see those in those lines. Um, but it's more like the introspection, the journaling, and then saying, okay, today I'm going to dedicate my whole self-reiki to like working on my need for approval. And I can see that that comes from the line that's drawn between like Saturn, which is authority and the sun, which is like my desire to shine. No. Um, okay. Which I'm still ironing it out and like exploring, but it's been like a minefield <laughs> in terms of healing myself. No. Do you think that looking at your chart in that much detail has given you a different level of understanding? And that makes it easier for you to accept parts of yourself that maybe you wouldn't have accepted if you didn't have the astrology. Definitely. like, And depending on the aspect patterns, some of them are a lot harder to get over. Um, so if I see something that's coming from one that like is more like you're at war with yourself a little bit, then you start thinking about how you have to accept yourself or learn to be more tolerant of like things that are in your own shadow and that you don't want to look at because then that's when you run into it in someone else. Um, and it creates like a little bit of conflict. Um, and it's helped me be more tolerant and accepting of other people too, a hundred percent because I can see like behaviors and I'll be like, okay, I can tell that this is coming from this part of that person's like unconscious psychology um, and like, even if they're aware of it, they probably need to go, or I would need to go to the shrink for like a couple of years to work my way through it. <laughs> okay. So it just makes like the tolerance and acceptance, um, and understanding easier because you can relate to what other people encounter in their daily lives and like within themselves. And you also know what's hard for you to change. So you can't expect someone else to change it that easily if it's hard for you as well. That's interesting. So it, it opens up your tolerance and patience mm-hmm. to see it in other people as well. Yeah. So if you, you have a passion for growth and understanding and self, would you call it self-improvement or what would you call it? Um, I don't know if I would call it more like curiosity and self-awareness and kind of wanting to understand what makes me tick a little bit of those three. 
Um, well, what's really interesting is is then how your practice has changed over the years. When you discover something new or you have a new passion like astrology, um, at what point would you offer it to people? So um, I think it really depends on the type of teachers you have. And the teacher that I learned astrology with, his name was Demian Allen, and he worked at the College of Psychic Studies for a number of years. Um, he was just like really, really, really good at breaking it down into like little pieces that you could kind of digest and understand and saying like, you can do a mini reading looking at aspects. You can do a mini reading looking at planets. You could do a mini reading looking at like what gives a person direction in their chart. Um, and so as soon as I came out of like the first 10 week class with him, which was I think in 2015, I started asking all of my clients for their birth data and I would give them a Reiki session, but I'd say, okay, will you give me permission to look at your chart for like 10 minutes before we meet up and maybe through like conversation and dialogue with them, like make sense of it over time. Um, I didn't actually start giving astrology readings until about three, four years later. But by then I'd already kind of studied my clients charts, like as a little bit of an extra or for my own like knowledge. Um, so what was it, you were more confident in it then to be able to offer, to offer it. Yeah. the readings. Yeah, and so how would that work with the Reiki? How did they enjoy that, your clients? It's it helps a lot. Like if someone's come to you a number of times um, and they're not entirely sure of like how to get over a specific pattern, um, and like you've talked about it with them in terms of like the relationships that they have and how they draw boundaries and like what they feel that they're looking for in a relationship, whether it's like a love a love relationship, a friendship, like a work dynamic the relationship with her kids. Um, and when I start noticing the same like emotional reactions come up in similar situations in their different relationships, that's when I'll look at their natal chart and I'll say, okay, there might be like a clash with Pluto, which could be like really deep emotions that are in the unconscious and that we can't really grasp or get a hang of or um, something that comes out of the blue, like maybe their sun, which is their desire to shine might be forming a certain aspect or clash with somebody else's Uranus, which is wanting to do things like out of the box. Um, and we start looking at like those repetitive patterns within themselves. And then if they get permission from the person that they're having that issue with to look at how it like sits in their chart, they can kind of say, okay, I can get that I have this type of repetitive pattern with my daughter, with my best friend and with my boss, because each of those persons, their Mars energy, which is like drive and ambition, might conflict with their moon, which is their emotions. And so it's okay. How do you work on your emotions so that you don't feel insecure when somebody is like pushing really strongly to get something that you're not sure if it's right for you? It gets a little bit complicated. <laughs> so I try to keep it with like simple geometry as much as possible. And then like instead of delving into each relationship in their life, we'll look at like the parts of their chart that they're more likely to clash with and like have them do guided meditations with a zodiac sign that's in that part of their chart so that they kind of assimilate it and let anyone that sits in that part of their life come into them with like a little bit more ease. That's fabulous. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think we so like yeah. dove into the most complicated part of my <laughs> practice from the beginning. I'm like most of what I do is a lot more like simple. Yeah, most of what I do is more simple, creative emotions, 
journaling, drawing, that type of thing. Astrology is like, it opens up like a really big um, box of surprises, I guess. So do you feel over the years that you've been more confident to offer more, to go deeper? That kind of thing, that you have clients coming back to you. Yeah, I think the ones that I've been with for a long time, um, or students that come into classes, they're like curious and they're kind of willing to try new things. Um, and also, I think something that helped like massively was like every country is different in terms of how open it is. And I felt like the UK when I lived there was very um, well developed in terms of like there's very well developed schools and certifications for energy healing and like getting my energy healing certification. It was like relatively easy to approach a hospital and like talk to them about volunteering and like it was more like mapped out, I guess. Um, Mexico is more um, like decentralized and a little bit more informal in like alternative spirituality and energy healing practices, but it's also like very open and very, very, very receptive. Um, mm -hmm. And I had like the most amazing luck of finding a yoga school where they also focused on Kabbalah, astrology and numerology. And like the women that ran the school were like very curious about learning new things. And I met them through like friends in common. Um, and they invited me to start teaching there like not too long after I moved back to Mexico. Um, and I think like I was just like super lucky to find myself in a very small like niche within Mexico that was very, very, very receptive and very curious and very open. And it was just very easy to say like, okay, I've been studying this for the last year and a half. Can I do a workshop to do like a practice session and see how people like it? And they would come with kind of like an inquisitive and like playful approach to it. And that just kind of made it easier to go into um, all of these new branches. No? And I probably ran like five astrology workshops where I really confused people <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> until finally it started to like land and like develop in a way where I could explain it and they could leave with it and then like apply it in their lives. But you've hit on a very important point. I mean, understanding something, practicing something and teaching something, they're three very different things. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, so it sounds like Mexico is very happy to have you there. You went and did a lot of learning in the UK and brought back with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very interested though, Regina. I mean, as you've grown and you've branched out and, you know, your natural curiosity has led you into different different things, have you noticed, though, a shift in how people heal um, at the moment? Do you know what I mean? I think... It depends on who you talk to and like the diversity of the culture where you are. Like I find that, and I'm speaking about Mexico specifically, Mexico is like a very, very Catholic country. Um, and Catholicism, I think, incorporated a lot of like pagan aspects into the religion um, in some ways, but then in other ways it really shut the door to like anything outside of Catholicism. I don't know if your experience would be the same, because um, I know that you're from no, Ireland. No, Ireland yeah. is, is similar, yeah, yeah. And so, like, what I've noticed is, like, people have a very strong desire to connect with spirituality in a way that's authentic. And when you start doing that, it really helps with your own healing, because a lot of our um, 
emotional distress, mental distress, um, and kind of like unease in life, I think comes from not connecting to the spiritual side and like all of who we are, like not just our career, our role, like our accomplishments. Um, and like for me, what I found is like almost everyone that I've run into has that desire to like open up and connect and like discover who they are, like beyond their like personal identity and like the community that they're in and the role that they're kind of like playing out day to day. Um, but it really depends like on the conceptions or prejudices that specific people have and like what parts of spirituality they're more comfortable opening up to, to kind of like open that door and walk through it. And so like for me um, in Mexico specifically, talking about angels was really easy because everyone hears about angels since they're little because of like Catholicism. Um, but then the yoga school that I was at, where it was like more of a Jewish environment, they were super interested in astrology, and that was kind of like the way to like start that conversation. Um, and so, in a way, I think what I've discovered is to be able to like really delve into healing ourselves and to be able to talk to people about this and share it. It's more about like finding like the doors that are open, like in their mind and their beliefs and their outlook, and like finding a way through that to be able to talk to them about energy or vibration or healing. Um, but it's more like finding the little, op the window that's open in their belief system that gets them to see the spiritual world and then let that kind of like energy and light come into the emotional body and the physical body. And once that happens, that the light comes in. It, it just opens up a lot more. Yeah. It opens up a lot more. Mm -hmm. And like always being, um, like facilitator or teacher, like I try as much as I can to be like super respectful of where people's boundaries are. So if I can tell that somebody just doesn't want to know about like energy healing or they just don't want to know about angels or they just don't want to know about astrology or like magic or things like that, I'll try and like table that and leave it outside and share what I think they're open to or what they ask me about. Um, and it's also like different themes, I think, resonate with different people. But I really feel like underneath it, it's like the same type of energy that we're allowing into our lives and like up through our unconscious. And it's more how individual people feel comfortable, like channeling that or receiving that. And that particular energy, mm -hmm. do, you, do you think it's changed? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if it has changed like on a collective level. Do you feel that it has or? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, particularly as you've been in practice for so long, as to whether you believe people are healing quicker now than they would have done before. If I compare it with like my own process of opening up to intuition and healing, I have the impression that everybody was quicker than I was. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> but so then really, you were with you the whole time. Yeah, you were always with I'm you. always with me the whole time. Um, but you're only with your client for a couple hours. For a couple hours. hours, exactly. So I don't know. I think like the world has been through a lot of difficult situations the past couple of years. And I think that crunch kind of pushes all of us out of our comfort zone. And that's when we start looking for answers and other ways of doing things. Um, I feel like the world is more open, but I don't know if that's because I'm more open, so I'm able to like notice other people being open as well. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Yeah. 
So what's the most exciting thing that you've discovered over the, the last, say, two years? Over the last two years, um, I, if I would say three years, like in terms of a new modality that I ran into, um, I've been practicing Reiki since 2012. Um, mm. And for me, like, there's lots of different schools of Reiki, and I think they're all fantastic, like really. Um, and for me, Reiki is kind of like a vibration and the different teachers or schools that you can line up with. Um, the one that resonates and like draws you in is usually the one that you need at like that moment in time. So I would really stay away from saying like one type of Reiki is better than another. Like it's all vibration and it, it depends on like your aura, your emotions, where you are in your life. Um, but I discovered or took a class in something that's called Holy Fire Reiki three years ago. Um, that it was developed. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. It's, it's really, really cool. And it, I like put it off for a long time because the teacher, I mean, he's fantastic. His name is William Rand. Um, but he talked like a lot about Jesus in his like Reiki practice. And like, I feel like I kind of left the Catholic background a long time ago. And so when I would hear that, I would be like, okay, I love Reiki because I love healing. I love intuition. I'm super drawn to like Buddhist cultures. And so when I would hear him mention like a little bit of Christian words, I would be like, okay, I don't know if that works for me. Um, but my intuition kept like pushing me towards the class. And like basically what it was is it's just a different way of doing the Reiki connection or the attunement to the students um, where the teacher draws like um does a guided meditation and um, the energy comes down like directly and interacts with it, each student instead of the teacher doing like a manual healing on each student to activate the energy in them. Um, okay. And I think that was a little bit more what I needed, like in my own path of saying, okay, I don't need to go through the teacher to connect with that energy. And then like I felt it just in my own life super strongly in terms of um, healing my insecurities, healing things that I don't want to talk about, um, and helping with like more psychological and emotional blocks. I kind of feel like it burns through and releases things a little bit faster. Um, I'm very impatient. So, yeah, that particular frequency of energy. Yeah. I love what you just said there about healing things that you don't want to talk about. I mean, Reiki is just superb for something like that. Mm -hmm. For anybody who wants to heal something, either that they can feel there's something wrong, but they don't know what it is, or they just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I've noticed that with clients a lot as well. Like I'll have people come to me for sessions that have been through like really intense traumas. Um, and maybe they'll do three or four Reiki sessions. And then when they feel like they can start to open up and talk about what they went through, they'll go see like a counselor or a psychologist. Um, but it really helps to get through that like emotional barrier or that defense um and i didn't expect like i loved reiki from the first time that i tried it like 10 years ago <laughs> and i and i remember at the time my friends in london would make fun of me because they were like regina you did like this super intense energy healing course it was like two years and like 18 weekends and like dozens and dozens of case studies and then I went on like one Saturday workshop for Reiki One and I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing that I've tried. Um, and I really value having gone through the energy healing school because it gave me like a lot deeper and like broader foundations. But what I love about Reiki is like anyone can take a class and learn to practice it and then they can give themselves a little bit of Reiki 
literally every day for the rest of their lives. Um, and like, as you mentioned, there's things that maybe it's harder for us to own up to or talk about. And like, I really like to combine Reiki with journaling. So I'll do like mm. a Reiki symbol on the page or I'll have a crystal in my hand and I'm writing about what I want to work through while I'm giving myself Reiki. And then that kind of makes it easier for me to open up to like deal with it or go talk to the person that I need to see about it. Um, or like just kind of face whatever I'm postponing, like in a more direct way. Do you know, you're absolutely correct mm -hmm. in all of the energy healing modalities that I've ever learned. Once you understand the fundamentals of Reiki, you actually don't need anything else for you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's just a wonderful thing. I, I, if I could wave my magic wand, I would get them to teach it in all the schools. I know that would be awesome. And kids are so open to it also. It's amazing. So you obviously use all of your skill set for self-care. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage around your clients? Would you do energy um, rituals or, you know, if you're, if you're busy or if somebody brings all their emotion in and you feel like they've left it there and they've gone, but you're sitting in their emotion, what kind of a thing would you do? Um, like I always start every session by grounding myself. And I feel so how do you do that? Because we're all very, we're all, we're very, all I mean, I've had lots of people on the show and they all have different ways of thinking, different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, for me, grounding is like, I'm very visual. And so I do a lot of visualizations more than anything, or like walking outside and trying to get like near a tree or a little park or something. Um, but basically what I'll do is I'll like set the intention for my heart to light up and whatever color I feel like I need at that moment comes through my heart chakra. And then I send that light down through my physical body, out the bottoms of my feet. And then when it goes out of the bottoms of my feet, I visualize it as tree roots. And I send it down to like as far down as I can go in the earth. And I connect with a crystal that's the same color as the energy that I visualized in my heart. Ooh, very nice. Which is, I like that. it's cool. And you can change the color every day depending on your mood. Um, if I'm, if I know I'm going to be seeing a client that's going through like a super rough time, I might visualize obsidian which is like a black volcanic stone that manages like lots of pressure and it's really good for, it's kind of like a vacuum cleaner. It vacuums out what you want to let go of. <laughs> um, and throughout the session, I'm always like checking in with my connection with the earth and just like setting the intention of anything that the client lets go of, I'm going to send it into the earth and I'm not keeping it myself. Um, okay. And like going back to that Holy Fire Reiki class, it's really, really, really good at, cleaning spaces um, and I felt it a little bit quicker for clearing the aura, clearing energy and like usually I'll clear the person's aura before I start working on them so that when I'm standing in their aura working on their chakras I'm not feeling whatever was in their aura before the session. So it's a, I guess a little bit of a mix of both like the grounding and like the clearing. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Would you have much time in between sessions? I, I've been doing a lot more Zoom sessions now. And so I think the space clearing is like less of a necessity. Um, I tend to like leave a lot of space and time between one session and the other. Like if I think back to my first years as a healer that I was just leaving the corporate world and like the rhythm in the corporate world is like super, super fast. I kept thinking like, okay, I can book someone at nine and then someone else at 10.30 and like 
quickly. Like I would do meetings when I worked in marketing. And then like literally the first day, I think I saw like seven people on a Monday and I was like dead. <laughs> and, afternoon, and it was like short sessions. It was like a day of like tasters coming for like a half an hour Reiki session. I was doing Reiki, I think in a WeWork office. Um, so it was easy for people in like the building to pop in and like do like briefer or shorter sessions. And like that day, I remember thinking, okay, no, I can't do this. Like I need to give myself space and time and like for them to process it, for me to process it. So now I do leave like more time between sessions and I try and like alternate between if it's like a talk session, like angels or cards versus mm. astrology that might be a little bit more psychological. And if it's an energy healing session, I try not to do more than like two in a day. Um, okay. And like focus on other things. And then I also bring in like classes and teaching. So, so you have a variety of things that you that you would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you're talking about the shorter sessions. I discovered I was I was doing half an hour sessions and hour sessions, and I used just as much energy for the half, for the an, half hour. an hour. And I, yeah, and I, then I would do more of them because you think you could do more and I was more tired. So I've stopped doing them now. Yeah, it is intense. (laughs) It can be very intense. And I think the person lets go of as much energy in a short period of time. And like for you as a healer, it kind of feels like your channel comes on a little bit stronger because it's a shorter session. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, so tell us a little bit about your books while I have you on here. Thank you. So happy to share. So I have two books. The first one came out, I think, almost 10 years ago now. It's called A Personal Guide to Self-Healing, Cancer, and Love. And people can find it on Amazon or on my website. That's diaryofapsychichealer.com. Um, basically, this one, it came out of like me trying to make sense of my dad having cancer and passing away from cancer when I was in college. And like at the time, I think we did as well as we could as a family coping with like the stress. He had a super aggressive brain tumor that very few people um, survive. But he lived for like quite a long time, like five years when the doctors thought that he'd only make it for like a year. Um, wow. And so I think like the length of time, like, the stress, but then also hoping things would work out. And then like ultimately like receiving like the final prognosis and saying like, no, he's not going to make it out of this one. Um, it was like a little bit of like a roller coaster pretty much no, for five years. We were like super lucky because he did have, I think, mostly good moments. So we, we could really enjoy our time with him. Um, but there was like so much emotional baggage to kind of sort through. And when I was in the energy healing school and we were looking at like emotional causes for disease, how it affects the family, how different people cope with it, like the toll it takes on the people that are, the family members that are around the patient. Like I kept having all of these aha moments going off when I was like in class. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, I thought, okay, I really want to share this with like cancer patients and with other families that are going through what we went through. Um, my intention was to write like a little pamphlet, like no more than 10 pages <laughs> to make it like really simple. Like this is how you do an energy healing session. This is how you clear your aura. Um, but I love to read and I'm like super curious. And so it ended up coming out like as a book. Um, 
I have a lot of friends from college that work in science and in medical care, and so they help me like look at risk factors in terms of like genetics, um, other issues, and then like basically it just turned into a very like short book, a hundred pages, but it has like a physical aspect of why people get sick, which can be diet, exercise, um, what we can do to counter our genes, um, the way that smoking and alcohol affects the body and like lifestyle is a really big part of cancer prevention. Um, and then it mm. moves into the emotional side, looking at my dad's case more than anything. And also like the impact that it had on his kids, on his family, my mom, obviously. Um, and like different things that we could have done to cope with it a little bit better. Um, like one of the things I talk about in the book is I developed a little bit of an eating disorder when he was sick. And so, okay. and it's like crazy because looking back on it, the more I like focused on my weight and being skinny and like going to the gym and not eating things that were like fattening, my mind was completely off of the cancer and it like helped me not stress about the cancer, but obviously it wasn't a healthy way for me to cope with it. Um, and I think it wasn't until I was writing a book that I realized, oh my God, that behavior in me went away like the moment the doctors told us that he wasn't going to survive because then suddenly it was like, okay, I don't need to distract myself anymore because I know it's going to happen. Um, and it's, it's like funny because I would say like obsessing over my weight was a very effective way to not worry about my dad. Um, but there were so many, but we're not really human beings See, and the things that we do, the strategies that we come up with are, to like, protect ourselves. Out. Yeah. And so like in hindsight, I was thinking, okay, I should have gone to a psychologist. I could have gone to like a support group. I could have done journaling. I could have done Reiki. Um, I could have talked yeah, about you it, know but you what? never know. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did what you needed to do the time. at the time. Yeah, no, no, and you might not have had the energy to do that as well no, and to heal that. I, you know, yeah. it's a coping it's mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. And I was 16 when he got sick, so I was like super young. Um, but like this book, I think, is more for the family than for the patient. And it's like what you're going through is really rough. I know it's rough. And these are all of the things that we can do to cope with it to make it a little bit easier and to help ourselves pretty much. Well, that sounds very useful mm -hmm. for people who are going through something like that at the moment. And the other book, that's the chakra book, isn't yes. it? <laughs> this is the one, one. Yeah, I have a copy here. I can show it on the screen in case we end up um, putting this on YouTube. Healing and magic, magic with a K. Yeah, magic I with a K. Um, I remember when I was starting to read up on magic, you and I were talking a lot about this over Instagram and Facebook. Like, look, reading yeah. lots of books and things like that. Um, I love this book and I love, like, all of the things that go into it. But I think it was the one that was actually hardest for me to write um, in terms of, like, coming out of the closet and saying, like, yes, magic is real. Energy healing is real. You can program a crystal with an intent. Um, I tend to focus more on, like, magic for healing yourself. So it's, like, pinpointing um, where your self-esteem is, where your beliefs are, where your motivation is, where your confidence is, how like open your heart is and saying, okay, maybe I need my heart to be a little bit more open so I can have more empathy or connect or communicate my emotions and how you work with crystals and magic to like activate that within yourself. Um, I've played around a lot with like saying, I'm going to do a magic ritual so that more people will show up for a class I'm teaching on Saturday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does it work? It did work, it did work when I did it. Um, but like I, I feel like what matters most is like our vibe, our confidence, and our openness in life. Um, 
because I've also had situations where I manifest an opportunity, um, which is one of the things that I talk about in the book. And then when the opportunity comes up, I'm like, okay, I'm actually terrified to do this. I can't do it. Um, so then I need to go away and like work on myself for like a year and then I try and manifest another similar opportunity. Um, but it sounds like it's a really great book and maybe you write the sequel now in the next few years where you bring the astrology I in. Hope so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on making it like as simple as I can. So that's what I'm aiming for. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous. And it's great to see, you know, being so enthusiastic, you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring for people who work as healers to know, you know, that it's possible to keep going, to not burn out, to still be as interested in it as you were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Would there be any tips that you'd like to, to give our listeners around burnout, as I've mentioned it, you know, doing too much? We've already said about not taking on too many clients on the same day. Mm-hmm. Anything else that, that, that comes to mind? I think... Um... And I think probably everyone starts out this way is like working two jobs when you're doing this um, to take the like financial pressure off wanting to be a healer. Um, like I've been doing energy healing since 2014, but like at different moments, I've also been like doing more like family business type of things and like finding other sources of income to help myself out. Um, mm. Sometimes because I needed it. And like sometimes because the burnout from seeing clients was like too intense and I'd say, okay, like for a year, there was, I think like two years where I stopped seeing clients in like an ongoing session and I would only teach classes because I found the classes easier to manage emotionally. And then seeing people and like feeling the expectation of them wanting me to solve their problems when like I'm trying to get them into a point where they can work through it and not put it on me. Um, And like, so having an awareness of that is really good too. Mm-hmm. I'd say that a lot of people aren't even aware that that's happening. Yeah. And see, there have been moments where I'd say like, I, I can't see this person for Reiki. Like I need to refer them to someone else. Um, and then maybe I'd look at like other income streams and other things that I could do work-wise um, in a while. And like, I think more than anything to not see it as a failure when you're not feeling like completely up to the task because it's a lot to take on. You're becoming like your own business person. Um, you're becoming a therapist. You're teaching and like guiding people. And then you also have like your own life to look after. Um, so anything you can do to like make it easier for yourself is wonderful. And a lot of times that's getting a part time job or something like on the side where you can do the job without having to expend a ton of energy doing it. So I think that would be like I one. Think that is one advice. I don't think anybody's mentioned that as a possibility at all in any of the podcasts mm-hmm. we've had up to now. So I think, yeah, it's, it's really good. And, and, and I can just imagine you going in, you're working somewhere else. You're not on duty to the level at which you need to be when you're a healer. You don't have to have that extra level of awareness yeah. and perception. And yeah, and that, that can be very tiring to be switched on like that all the time. It's, so It's tiring and it's like, very rewarding at the same time but I think it's like a boundary or like an energy reserve that we need to be like conscious of um and I think where I felt it most intensely like right before the pandemic I started teaching Reiki to little kids um and they were like five six seven eight years old um and I found myself stressing about things that I'd never stressed out about like in an energy healing practice because the level of responsibility with children is just a lot higher than it is with adults 
Like absolutely. Like an adult, you can say, okay, I know this person is a complete hippie, and they do not want to see a doctor, and I'm sending them to a doctor, I'm sending them to a psychologist. But if they don't want to go, and they're like 46 years old, like I can't make them go to a doctor. And like in the UK, it's like a lot. They get them to sign a waiver so that you like told them you really need to go do this, and if they don't want to, it's like their responsibility. Um, but when I'd have kids come to the Reiki kids classes, and they had like really strong. Anxiety issues or emotional issues,、um, and like I knew that the parents hadn't found a child psychologist to take them to, like that would stress me out immensely. You know what I mean? Now, what makes you think the kids need the psychologist is probably the parents that need the psychologist. I think, I think I think you're right. I think in those cases, it was usually the whole family that needed the psychologist, but maybe like the seven year old is less able to handle what the family is going through. Um, and the mom was already going like in different scenarios where it happened. Like maybe the parents were already seeing someone, but they didn't have someone that could like help their kids. And、um, like for me, that felt like a really high level of responsibility. And the kids loved coming to the class, so I would say yes, of course, please bring them back whenever they want to come.、Um, but I even thought about going and enrolling like in a master's <laughs> for child psychology because I wanted to be able to like. Help them a little bit more.、Um, I ended up tabling it because I didn't want to go back to school. And no, I, I do. I, tru- I truly believe the best way to help a child is to work with the adults that are in the house,、mm-hmm. because the child can get all the help you want to give them, and the behavior that's upsetting the child will perpetuate because the adults haven't changed what they're doing. Yeah. So yeah, and- so yeah, it, it is. It's important to know. What's for you and what what's not, not for you. you? Exactly. No, and like people go through really strong things in their lives. Like maybe like one of the parents was like really really sick, and like the like the same as I was stressed out when my dad was sick. Like a seven year old will be stressed out when their dad is sick, and like the mom is going through a lot. And so it's there's just like situations which I think are like beyond what we can do as healers.、Um, And like knowing how far you can take your practice is like important, and then、yeah. knowing when to refer someone that will be able to, like, help them all, no, in a way. Well, I love that that you say that you're very clear. You know, you need to see a medical doctor about this. You need to see a psychologist about that, or a psychotherapist, or a counselor. I think、um, a lot of healers think they can do all of it, and then they take on the entire. Person, everything that's going on, and that will lead to burnout very quickly. I say. Yeah, it does. It leads to burnout, and、um, also, if you, as a healer, manage to find like psychologists, doctors,、um, even dentists <laughs> who are like open、um, to seeing something as energy healing as like complementary. Like, I really think the best fit is in some point like combining the two.、Um, So that the person、But、is like attending all themselves, you,、mm-hmm. which is great because they can send people to you. Like the dentist has someone who's really anxious about getting their teeth done, can go to you for Reiki session and then go and get the teeth done, and it's not so bad.、Mm-hmm. Or you know, just just to have a community of people that work together, work together. support each other. I've actually had dentists sign up for Reiki classes. To send Reiki to their clients before they go into appointments, so that's fantastic. I know it's wonderful. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, and I have like a friend also who's、um, a doctor, and like she doesn't practice Reiki formally in the hospital, but like she combines it a little bit. No one, 
But that was no in Ireland. They don't admit to it. They want the Reiki. They want the Reiki for their sick wives, but they won't admit it, mm-hmm. and it's all in secret. You know. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. In Mexico, I think that happens a lot too. Um, one of the things I loved about London was like it was really easy to volunteer as a Reiki healer in hospitals. And like they send you to trainings for complementary therapies. I did um, a series of trainings with Macmillan Cancer Support. Um, and the last year that I was in London before coming back to Mexico, I volunteered doing Reiki and like listening and responding and talking to people in a cancer center. Um and that was one thing that I loved about the UK. Like, it's very well developed and they tell you, like, you can help the person up to here. And then, like, they teach you to spot red flags for when they need to go back to their doctor or when they need to see, like, a psychiatrist or a counselor for something that's, like, more intense. Um, but it was really helpful. Exactly. exactly. I mean, complimentary is the word we need to use, whereas everybody's calling it alternative makes you think it's one or the other, whereas complementary means you have them all. You do them both. Yeah. And they complement each other. And that, that that's exactly what the healing work mm-hmm. is. It, it's complementary. So. There's, um, there's a book that I love, if I can remember the name. That I think it's called Vibrational Medicine, and the author's name was Richard Gerber. I don't know if you've heard of it. He was, okay. he was, um, he was a surgeon and I think a radiation oncologist I'm not sure if he did radiation but I'm sure he did surgeries and the book was published probably like in the 70s or 80s um and when he what he talks about is like I think back then where like surgery was a lot more invasive than it is now there was like a lot of situations where he'd say I would much rather not put this person through a surgery if there's something else that can help them like manage their symptoms or help them get through the surgery quicker um and he went through like all of the research that's been done in universities in the US and Canada on like complementary therapies. And he, it's like super, super technical to start out with. And that ends up being like one of the most like hippie spiritual books you've ever read towards the end chapters. It's just like a progression <laughs> that's hard to follow. Um, but he, he like explains the tests that have been done on energy healing and vibrational remedies like back flowers. Um, on meridians and like injecting fluids into the meridians on like so many so many things that explain like on a biological level why energy healing does work and like up until which point it does work um and then at what point you would say okay no you can't leave this patient with this pathology with this complementary therapy you need to send them to surgery exactly Um, surgery but for me reading that book I think I found it like 10 years into my journey. It was like so helpful because I thought, okay, this explains what I've been experiencing for the last 10 years. And I can kind of like put it down in like scientific words and explain, okay, the effect on the enzyme has an effect on the cell. And like, no, you can't detect the energy that comes out of the healer's hands. Like he says that pretty broadly. They've tested it a million times and they never find it, but they can measure the effect that like having the session has on the person that's receiving it. And they'll say the effect on the person that's receiving it is the same as like electromagnetic waves. And so we can tell something is happening, even if we can't see what it is. Um, That's just because they don't have the technology yet to measure it. Because they don't have the technology yet. Um, And I'm like more flowy in my communication. I can't bring back like all of the sciencey terms (laughs) that he has in the book. But for like anyone that's a healer and wants to kind of like 
be able to understand and explain how it does work on a physical level. Like that book in particular is really fantastic, even though it's like really hard to read because it's very fat and like super technical. No? <laughs> yeah, but it's worth it. But I think it's wonderful to see these bridges. Mm -hmm. Between medical science if and, 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 and healing and healing arts, upset you because it is an art. There's the art of showing up completely as yourself. If you've got questions and attracting or if you have in anything at all that you'd like Regina and I to cover on the show, magic please to get write to us. Workshops. The email is wow, working with children and doing Reiki. We're, we're, we're coming to the end. It's just been wonderful to journey with you and learn a bit, little bit about you. And I do, I love that idea of if they get the pressure's getting too much and you feel you're getting drained. I suppose if you're feeling a bit resentful of your clients, then get a part-time job for a while, give yourself a break and take some time off and mm -hmm. do, do a bit of it. So is there any other advice you'd like to give just as we're, we're finished to anybody out there who's working as a healer? Um, I think this is something that I hear a lot from you and I want to repeat it because <laughs> I think it's super important. There's like so many studies and modalities and things that we can like dive into from like an intellectual point of view when we're looking at energy healing um but at the end of it it's always about connecting with your heart and with yourself and with your emotions and like for me i think the most important part of like actually healing is like learning to love myself and accept myself and like all of the healing modalities astrology tarot cards it's like all ways into that to try and make sense of it i think from like either an energetic energetic or irrational point of view um but like having the coming back into your heart be like the objective and i think that's where like the big healing happens in our lives and in our relationships and that's what's been really hard for me because i'm very mental curious and for me it's always like no come back to your heart that's where that's like where the magic happens that's where the magic happens. Well, look, thank you so much. That was great. And thank I'm going to you, get Abby. your links in a bio from you. I'll put the links with the episode. So anyone who is interested in getting any of your books. It's wonderful to can that, Abby. I'm so happy to talk to you live and in person after so many years. We should do this again sometime. We will. We should do this again. Oh, look, you have a beautiful day. Have a wonderful evening. And um, we'll talk again soon. Okay. If there's anything in this podcast that triggered you, upset you or stimulated you to want to know more if you've got questions or if you have anything at all that you'd like Regina and I to cover on the show please write to us the email is healingforhealerspodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time